Welcome to Your List, My Command, where we finally go through our lists of shame the only way we know how. Peer pressure. So this time, Derek has peer pressured me. Uh, what are we watching today, Derek? What are we checking out? Uh, it's a film called Serpico. Serpico, starring one of our greatest living actors. Well, um, most people like Al Pacino. Hi, Teddy. Um, <laughs> hi, Teddy. Uh, you... Silly bastard, you. We we know someone who actually does not like Al Pacino. He likes anyway, him in Dick Serp- Tracy. That's like the... Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Big Boy it's, Caprice, uh, his greatest role, God. as we all know. Well, but to call Dave out, Dave has seen uh, Big Boy Caprice. More than once. Uh, saw it in the theater. He had not... He, what? With my father. Yes, my dad was a big... Oh, my, dad, my dad was a big Dick okay. Tracy fan. Read the, the comic strip when he was a kid, so it was... Uh, it was a nice moment. Me, so I yeah. couldn't attack That's you right. Me. Yeah. That's the end. Yes. Okay. So, so Serpico, uh, what year? Do you have the year on that? Let's see. 1973. The golden age of cinema. The oh, 70s. Yes. 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 Well, and let's just say this. It's one of my favorite eras as far as the new Hollywood oh, period yeah. goes. Totally. Uh, if you, I think if you're a cinephile at all, uh, not to say that you would have to have seen every one of them, clearly, because Dave sees everything and somehow he had yet <laughs> somehow. to see Serpico. Yeah. Somehow. Um, had you seen, let me ask you this, had you ever seen like some of um, Pacino's even earlier stuff like, uh, have you seen Panic in Needle Park before? Nope. Nope. <gasps> nope. Dave. Nope. Nope. I can't. I I am literally shocked right now. Yeah. Okay, so let's let, let's. How did Serpico not end up a film that you had seen previously? You know, I'm having trouble. I know it's a silly question. No, it's not because, because there's I've, only so much time. Yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, starring Al Pacino, it's a crime movie directed by Sidney Lumet. Like this, this is one that I should have seen. This is like we t- we joke about lists of shame. This is this was truly on my list of shame. Like I don't want to tell people that I haven't seen this. Like <laughs> this is this is shameful as a cinephile, as an Italian. Like it just. So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> if people were in a were mingling at a uh, you know at a party discussing Serpico, you're saying that you would have backed out of the circle and said, "Oh, I have a phone call." Yeah, I'm yeah, I would have uh, go back Sweet. for some more shrimp or whatever the party is having. Just I gotta, I, I gotta go. Uh, let me know when we're uh, we're talking about a Pacino movie I've seen. You want to talk about Heat? We, we can talk about Heat. Uh... <laughs> oh, that should be on my list, by the way. What? No. Oh, sorry. What? Sorry. Oh my god. God, if we ever get through our fifty each, that's the we're watching that. Or maybe that'll be go. maybe that'll be one of our bonus episodes that we do every ten episodes. I like that's, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Jesus, that would so, seem heat. So Serpico, <laughs> yeah. So let's get back to your shame, Dave. I can't believe you haven't seen this movie, this powerhouse of cinema. Uh, did you know anything about the story going into it? Yeah, I mean, I knew it was okay. based on a true story. I know it was about, you know, a, a cop who actually stood up and did the right thing for once. And, you know, it actually, um, I've gotten in many arguments with uh, white people about this. Because um, I'm very much a, you know, I don't trust cops guy, um, mm. just generally speaking. Uh, because yeah. if, um, even if you are a police officer and you're not doing terrible things... You're seeing people do terrible things and probably not saying anything. And the reason you're not saying anything is because you're protecting the thin blue line and all that nonsense. And look what happens to someone who actually doesn't. You get shot in the fucking face. So that is where – and that's not a spoiler. That's how this movie begins is seeing him shot in the face. So, you know, um, so this is definitely – 
I don't know, man. Um, I expected, I expected to love this movie. I expected to just be all in. And by the end, it won me over. Um, the first hour is rough. The first hour is very slow. Um, very repetitive because essentially the entire first hour is he's a good cop and everyone's doing terrible things and no one listens to him. And, Mm. you know, and there's a girl here and now there's a new, a new girl and now they're fighting. And, you know, it just, until things start to actually ramp up, it's for me, it's a little bit of a tough watch because I feel like they spent an hour where they could have spent 20 minutes. Like it is like, how many times do we need bad cops to do bad things and him to stand up and say something for us to realize that he's a good cop. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially you're taking a two, two hours and something runtime that probably could have been condensed down. I also, when I was sitting there and uh, getting, going to your point about the first hour, there are moments where I'm wondering, is this a film about, you know, the corruption within law enforcement or, like this, um, you know, twenty something dealing maneuvering through work life balance. Right? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, a lot of a lot of that first hour is spent with how he, um, you know, uh, uh, basically displaces his his anger and frustration at work. Mm-hmm. Not to invoke Freud here, uh, mm-hmm. and goes home and basically. Doesn't beat the dog, but goes home and and you know his giant out at- his giant sheepdog is fine. It's random, yeah. And so you bringing that up, it just really it hits home my thoughts about it that like this actually is a better movie if it wasn't based on a true story because I think mm. I think they felt the pressure to include a lot about his home life and like he had a giant sheepdog that was something that yeah. they felt like they had to include and in the way he dressed and the way he talked and all that and I think if you streamline this into just the story of corruption I think this is a hard hitting 100 minute classic film um, and I don't think it quite gets there. I think luckily you have Pacino, who is, you know, surprise, surprise, fucking yeah. great, especially during this period of time. Like this is really the time when Pacino was hitting on all cylinders. And I'll give credit for once uh, to our friend in podcasting, Mike Denniston. His review on Letterboxd is the quote of Pacino saying, I'll yell in the street if I want to. And it was like Pacino calling a shot for the rest of his career. Because that's essentially what he does for the rest of his career. If you watch Heat, if you watch Set of a Woman, he definitely goes that route. Um, but I think I think his performance here is fantastic. I think everyone else is rightfully secondary. But I don't think there's any other really memorable performances here. So it's like... What about- Tony Roberts. Is that his name, right? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, when, they, when they have it out, that's the first time I've ever seen Tony Roberts really yell because I'm yeah. so used to him just being like Woody Allen's analyst. Yes, yes. And most of the films are the same yes, era. Totally. But, uh, but, this but is, I, yeah, I get what you mean. It's definitely a, like this is Al Pacino carrying this movie on his back, like through just sheer gravity, just pulling you along. Like as I'm watching, I'm like, I realized about 30 minutes in, Man, if anyone else is in the title role here, I'm completely checked out. Like, there's no way I'm still with this movie if you don't have Pacino. But luckily, you have this powerhouse of a performance from him. And I kind of like the fact that, like, he's awkward and weird and kind of a hippie, um, which is a very yes. – it's a very different role for Pacino to play. He he spent a lot of his career being very straight-laced. You know, like, even if you look back to the first Godfather, he's the good son 
right? Hair slicked back, everything in place, went to the army, served his country, and then is solely twisted by by his father's business into being something else. Whereas this is just like, man, what a weird dude. Like, just yeah. where it's weird knit caps all the time and <laughs> odd fashion choices. And I just love they They comment on it every yeah. scene. They t- I mean, they're going to, they're going to remind us that he is a, an, you know, an oddball, an outlier, black sheep, um, not just from a um, moralistic perspective, but his presentation, his cadence, his, right. his, He's Italian, but he's not your mother's Italian. Right, right. Clearly, <laughs> totally, right? totally. To the point of like being accused of gay activity just because he's a little weird yeah. and they kind of have it in for him. And I, you know, and I love the one of my favorite scenes in the movie actually is the party sequence where he was like, will you fucking stop telling people I'm a cop? Will you like that is not cool, man. Cops are not cool. Could you fucking right. chill? I'm trying to have a good time. No one wants to do, no one wants to smoke pot around me because they think I'm a cop. I am, but like, come on, keep it on the down low. <laughs> it's a very enjoyable moment there and very a very human moment. And then if you do any research about Frank Serpico as a real person, all this stuff rings very, very true. Um, you know, including like the the end slash beginning of the movie where he is shot in the face. Like that's a real thing that happened. Like that man got shot in the face for doing the right thing. And very little has changed in the many years of policing (laughs) that have gone down the pike to now. Right. Like I think you could imagine something like that happening to a clean cop now, because it's important to note that he's not just a clean cop. He's not just a cop who does the right thing. He's a cop who does the right thing and stands up. And calls everyone out, which is a true rarity. Like, truly, like, Frank Serpico is a fucking hero. Like, that takes a lot of internal strength to not only do the right thing and turn a blind eye to people doing terrible things, but to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. The entire system is rigged and it's wrong. And I I love the sequence at the end where he's kind of giving his prepared speech to the court. I mean, that's where it all comes together. I think that's where the movie won me over. The rest of it, I'm just kind of like, okay, okay, we can do this. I can. Just waiting to get there. It's the 1970s. This is supposed to be great, Dave. Just get into it. Yeah. Like it's it's a little bit rough, but like it, it is one of those movies that I think if it's if it's an hour and 40 minutes, like it's a five star movie. But I just think they take a little bit too much time to get to where they need to go. Frank Serpico is like pretty much Batman, right? <laughs> Here we like, go. We got. We got. I was just so wondering if, if that's what you felt while watching it too. I mean, I mean yeah. Amanda. I mean, he is like you know, you know. Oh God, here we go. But like, Bruce, Bruce, yeah, Bruce, this Bruce, Bruce Wayne is a weird guy, right? A weird guy who's doing the right thing under the cover of night. Like that's the whole thing. Frank Serpico is kind of he's doing it, but without a mask. Like, and sorry, Batman, that's real courage. Doing it without a costume, without looking like a fucking freak show, but just doing the right thing in the context of your job. <laughs> uh, Birth of a Nation taught me. That Look, you brought it up. Perfectly okay. Oh, man. And the heroes wear masks, Dave. So. so what you're saying is Batman is really a card-carrying member of the KKK. That's what you're telling me. I Dave, just want to be don't, clear. Don't you twist this. <laughs> You forget. I have I'm seen sorry. Birth of a Nation. The title of this episode is Serpico, but here we are, Dave. Look, you brought up both Batman and Birth of a Nation. You, oh. you made your bed. You fucking laid it. This is. Well, 
the pro- Frank Serpico has the same issue that Batman has. He eventually just can't let it go. Yeah, that's just true. just let it go. Just you know, you have two incredibly attractive, significant others mm-hmm. that you just you just can't ride off into the sunset with. You just have to. You are so hyper focused on being the guy that uh, that I guess fixes everything with law enforcement. You don't even want like one or two guys to get fired. Yeah, right. Blow it up. It, it's it, it it all has to be blown up. I, I do think it's such a an interesting situation to that he found himself. Not interesting. I mean, that's a, that's I guess uh, an understatement. But the fact that everyone pretty much knew that he was the one uh, that was the whistleblower well before like, anything actually happened. Yeah. And he's just going to work with these guys and just, hey, I just, I just won't talk to them. Well, they, yeah, they're probably all already planning to murder you. <laughs> Motherfucker, like, they're going to talk for, to you. <laughs> for months. I mean, for like, like, at one point he's like, I've been doing this for a year and a half. And no, could you imagine being no. in that environment no. for a year I would have quit. No. I 100% yes. would have quit. I might have quit Absolutely. and gone to the press. But like, I just, I, I truly, like I watch this, like separate from the, the, the movie going experience, right? Just watching sure. this story unfold. I am kind of in awe at this man. Like the the internal fortitude that it must have taken to every morning put on your knit cap and your weird <laughs> hippie sweater and go to work with these fucking monsters. Like these mm. men that you don't respect, these men that are actively breaking the rules and people are paying the price for it every day out on the streets and you are, and it's a, I think, you know, now that I think about it more, like I still think it's too slow, but I think that's the, that's the arc, right? He starts off just turning a blind eye. He starts off like, nah, I'm just not going to take it. You do what you got to do. You live your life. I'm not getting in the way until eventually that starts to weigh on him too. Um, And it's one of those like kind of phenomenal acting performances from Pacino that there's not a moment where he says enough's enough. Like it's not that kind of movie until the very end, but you read through his eyes and through the, his performance that like, all right, I can't just turn away from this anymore. I have, because it's weighing on me so much that I'm screaming at my partner because they can't possibly understand what I'm going through. And they can't, they absolutely can't understand what I'm going through, but it's my job to take care of myself internally. And the only way I can do that, I have two cho- two choices. I can leave the job that I'm passionate about, a job that I feel is important and I feel can make a difference when done the right way. I disagree because uh, cops are just modern day slave catchers. That's where cops started. So, Dave, just, hey, Dave. tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's not where the police began. Dave, okay. No, no. Or the other. You better preach. Or, preach or the other option is. I change it from within and I literally, almost literally drop an explosive device that I'm going to have to fall on. Like that's, that's what this, those are your two options. And he bravely, maybe stupidly, but bravely chooses a ladder because he can't let go. Right. He can't, he just can't. It's kind of like, you know, watching a movie like Zodiac where part of you, as you're watching this, it's kind of like, Man, who fucking gives a shit? Will you just let it go? Like it's over, dude. He won. Like just. But someone has to. Someone has to be the the gate the tireless gatekeeper, right? I guess, right? Is what it's, it really comes down to. Yeah, it's the. And, I don't know if you saw this, yeah. but it reminds me of like First Reform, the Ethan Hawke movie. It's the kind of like somebody has to do something. Like I can't just sit back and let the world die. I have to stand up and do something dramatic and something drastic. 
And that's Frank Serpico kind of in a nutshell. It's like he knows because of who he surrounded himself with in this job that literally no one else, even Tony Roberts, he's, he's not going to do it either. No mm. one. He tries. He, he has lots of friends. Yeah. He, I'll apparently. set up a meeting. Yeah. And no <laughs> one. Yeah, exactly. And no one else is going to do it. So the choices are to let it continue with you not involved or to blow it up. Yeah. And he well, chooses and, blow it up. Like, and there, and I get your point about it, you know, kind of that, that draining again, the draining first act, but there does have to be a certain period of time in which there is kind of a, a uh, slow death of his naivety, right? right. Like, it's like the death of a dream, to, truly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so you have to wait in those waters, maybe just in, in to not a repetitive d- degree. Right, but that has to exist as far as yes, the narrative. Yes, uh, yes, And then you're, and then there's this, there's a passivity, and then there's action. Right, it's mm-hmm. like the stages of change in some ways. Yeah, like yeah. He's getting to a point now, I'm act- actively ready. I just, if they could have waited in the waters of him being actively ready a little bit sooner, maybe. Yeah, spent yeah. too much time in contemplation. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Not enough time in that preparation we are narrowing and action our phase. audience <laughs> yes. all the way just, down just. to a specific niche of liberal therapists. That's, That's right. Great. Go ahead, folks. Look up Prochaska and DiClemente oh stage of the change. You'll <laughs> you'll know what we're talking about. But yeah, I just think it takes a little bit too long. I think you know it's. You know, there's a lot of discussion online now about the length of movies. Like, as we're recording this, like, Oppenheimer just came out, which is three yep. hours long. It's great, but it is long. Um, and it's one of those, it just, it all depends on the process of the movie. Some long movies work in that way. This is probably a little bit too long. I'm not going to be that guy like, ah, oh, needs a better editor, because editing is not just about shortening the lengths yeah. of film. But I think this is a screenplay issue. And I think the arc takes just a little bit too long, especially this is such a high-profile case. If you know anything about the history of policing in America, you know the story of Serpico. Like, that's that's a pretty known thing, especially actually, especially now as he recently passed, like the story came up again and again. Um, but it is kind of a masterclass in screen acting. Like I, I think, you know, it's, it's one thing to be easy to watch when you're playing a cool character. I mean, just look at the career of Brad Pitt. That's Brad Pitt. Like every once in a while he plays a doofus, but it's rare. He usually plays the cool guy because that's, that's where he fits in. And Pacino can easily do that as well. But this guy is not a cool guy in any sense. Like he's, he's weird. He's a little off putting. And yet, because his heart is in the right place as an audience member, you're like, yeah, I'm with it, man. I'm here with you. Let's go. And I think that, that spurred a little bit of that impatience with me in that first hour where I was like, I'm already with you. Let's, <laughs> yes, all this is fucked up. Can we do something about it? There doesn't like, need to be any more buy-in, really. You well, know, I mean, as, yeah. And well, I was going to say they, you know, they use the West Craven, the famous West Craven technique, right? You probably know this, that West Craven has been credited with this, it. that if you, if you show a kill or a death or a dramatic moment in the first five minutes, you can get away with a lot of bullshit. You can get away with a lot of like talking. If there's like a, you know, the Drew Barrymore death at the right. beginning of Scream, right? So at this, you have that action sequence where he is shot in the face and being brought, you know, on a gurney. Like, that's fucking Frank Serpico. Like, it's very, that's Jason Bourne. Like, oh my God, look what happened. Um, so, but I think they wear that welcome just a little bit too thin. I agree. I agree. And I think before we recorded this episode, 
I was probably higher on it than mm. uh, you've probably killed it for me. Yeah, honestly, a little bit. <laughs> I love to ruin movies for. People. I loved those moments where uh, he he would be, and but this is also kind of at the same time to your point of uh, he's not cool, but because Pacino's made him cool, mm-hmm. you, you give it a pass, right? Because totally, he when he's he's he would throw out random like pickup lines, and I'm like God. Those would never, ever, you know, if you, if you love a man's garden, you gotta love the man. And I'm like, if anybody else says that, that's horrible. That is, that is, you know, not to, not to say cringe, but that is cringe. But there's something so charismatic about Mm -hmm. him, despite Mm -hmm. him, despite the fact that he, uh, he shouldn't be. Uh, right by, by any stretch and so i did enjoy those scenes it, it makes me wonder what i have liked just they have a, a different film called serpico but that's not about him being a cop just about some dude uh some quirky so, guy some creepy York. dude in his garden yeah <laughs> hey baby yeah. you like those plants like uh, i don't know <laughs> do you love those plants do you that's love right. those plants uh would i have enjoyed that like if the film ends after Act One, would I a short film? I'd be like, yeah, that was that was a fun time, a nice time, mm, not so much. I think strangely, when you have someone with this much charisma, it can actually oddly become a weakness of the movie. Like it allows you as a director and a writer, like yeah, we're gonna stick around here for even longer because look, you get to hang out with Al Pacino. Isn't this fun? And it's like in a vacuum, yes, yeah. but in the the crux of the entire movie, it's kind of like okay though, but. When are we going to get to what he's doing? Something like what is we spend, I think, a little too much time with his home life and not enough with him pushing forward and moving forward. And again, I just wonder how much of that is because we knew the filmmakers knew so much about Frank Serpico as a real person. And before I figured out that this was based on a true story, like years ago, Serpico, I just assumed that was a code name. Cause that sounds so cool. That's such a cool name. Like, no, it's just, a, just an Italian dude. Like that's just, cause it, it's interesting. At the beginning of this movie, like the, I think it's interesting. The idea of what a good cop is changes throughout this movie. In the beginning of the movie, a good cop is the one who doesn't beat the shit out of someone with a phone book. Like, that's what... That's, that's what, the baseline. Like, yeah. that's... Yeah. Not even the baseline. That's like, wow, what a fucking nice guy. He didn't take a turn on this black youth with a fucking phone book. Like, what a sweet dude. And then by the end, it's like, no, actually, to be a good cop, you have to make yourself the enemy of every other cop on the force. That's what it takes. And, you know, watching it now, it's a powerful message because this is what happens when good cops, actual good cops stand up. They either are killed or removed from the force. That's what happens to a good cop. And that's that's a hard thing to accept, um, given the the fact that police have such a strong uh, there's such a strong force within all of our communities. Like we cannot, you can't live anywhere where cops are not a presence, you know? So it's like to think about that, to be a good cop, you have to ostracize yourself and put yourself in physical danger. It's a hard ask for us to ask anyone to be a good cop. That's where we're at. And that's, that's tough to swallow. Even for me, a died in the wool, hardcore, liberal doesn't even really, I mean, I know that I am left of liberal, but I watch this and I'm like, yeah, not much has changed. Makes me wonder if I would be a bad cop. I think I would. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I think it's. I think it is human nature to turn a blind eye and to not make yourself the target. 
Yeah. You know, well, if you I go mean, like Stanford prison experiment, right? right like eventually right. that, that level of power is going to consume. Yeah. It's, it's just too easy to exploit at the very yes. least. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And especially let's be real when you place your life, not only in danger, but in the hands of your brothers in arms, like, sure. yeah. And they, and they make a point of that in this movie, like all it takes is we're going to let you go through the door first. In a dangerous situation. Can't say I did anything. I didn't shoot you. Shit happens, man. Hurt in the line of duty. Can't help you. That's low-key actually a great line and great scene, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's wonderfully built. Like you, you – it's said so early in the movie that you kind of forget about it. And then when it happens, you have that, oh, fuck me moment. Like it is – it's rough to watch, especially because at this point, finally, you've gotten to the point where I think you're really, really rooting for him because he's not only doing the best he can. He's doing he's standing up and being a hero and doing the absolute right thing. There's no way you can watch this and think that Serpico is doing the right thing. The only people who didn't like this movie when it came out critically, you know who they were? Cops. Yeah, it does not point paint them in a very good light. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe be better and you won't have to <laughs> defend yourself. Maybe you get some act right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it, not me. That's... <laughs> I already compared them to slave catchers, so I think I'm... That is true. That is true. I went harder. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Anything else about Serpico before we before we close up? Anything else? No, Did I'm I just, completely just, ruin this for you? <laughs> I'm just glad that you're on the uh, Italian level that I am now, Dave, that you've seen this. Yes, finally. Well, they want to do a podcast about uh, Italian-American cinema yeah. and just I mean, how fucking awesome it is. I mean, I brought you Sweet Sweet back, so I helped you out, and now you That's helped true. me out. That's yeah. right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's, Culturally, it's, we're even now. This is... The obsession with ethnicity in the 60s and 70s in the United States. Yes. Something. It's a lot. Um, (laughs) All right. So next week, believe it or not, I'm going to make Derek watch, or next two weeks, I'm going to make Derek watch a fucking cartoon. Who would have thought that I would be the champion of animation on Mm. this podcast? You're you're the aficionado on it. This is number two. First, Akira. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And now... In two weeks, we'll be talking about Princess Mononoke, Miyazaki's crown jewel. So that's, that's the update. So uh, I believe that – oh, this is available on Max if you have HBO Max. Uh, you can watch it there for free. Uh, I'm sure also available for rent many, many other places. I, of course, have a physical copy because uh, I'm a real cinephile. Uh, so in two weeks, be sure to check out our episode on Princess Mononoke. In the meantime, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Letterboxd. I think Derek's Twitter and Letterboxd are both day stew. Um, my Twitter is darn that Dave. I think my Letterboxd is Dave A-G-N-N-I-N-N-I for the folks who are not Italian and can't spell. Oh, he's feeling himself right words. now. You That's can... right. That's right. I'm caught up now, baby. Get it. <laughs> Sounds like right. you're singing Usher all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> in two weeks, <laughs> we are turning Japanese and watching Princess Mononoke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>